0: of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Today on the Ministry Grow Show, I'll be speaking with Toss Souza, who is the team coordinator of Mission of Grace in Haiti. And I wanted to preface this episode uh, by letting everyone, everybody know that the audio isn't super great in this episode. Toss was doing his interview while in country because that's where him and his wife live. And so I just wanted to apologize up front that the audio doesn't sound all that great um, throughout the interview. But the content that Toss brings um, in this interview is really, really beneficial and I think is going to bring a ton of value to our listeners. So uh, bear with the audio, but um, we're really excited to share what Toss and um, Mission of Grace are doing in Haiti. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I have Toss Souza, uh, team coordinator at Mission of Grace Haiti. Toss, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Zach. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you on. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about Mission of Grace Haiti, how you guys maybe got started, summarize uh, maybe the the history and and where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Mission of Grace started in uh, 2009. And we're located in a small rural village about an hour north of Port-au-Prince. It started actually as a result of a natural disaster prior to the earthquake in Haiti. Everyone's pretty familiar with that. Uh, But in this little community, there happened to be a pretty significant mudslide that happened. And the founder of Mission of Grace is a Haitian woman named Lynn Joseph. Uh, And she owns and operates a small uh, resort on, on the coast here. And one night, it was raining really hard, and she was woken up by people pounding on her gate, uh, saying that there was a mudslide across the street, people were dying, people were losing their homes. And uh, so she let them in, fed them, kept them overnight, and then did something that, to our knowledge, hadn't been done up until that point. Uh, Everybody's pretty aware that Haiti is very poor, but there is a, a rich kind of an upper class uh, and in this area in particular, it's very, um, very obvious where that dividing line is. So uh, we are on the coast and there's a lot, a lot of people that have very nice houses. The wealthy people have houses along the beach. And then directly across the street is a very, very poor community uh, of about 8,000 people. And so she crossed over the street into that community. And as far as we know, was, was probably the first person uh, of any kind of affluence to have done so. And while she was there and saw the devastation and the damage and the need, she really heard the Spirit of God speak to her and say, these are your people and they're your responsibility to take care of. And so out of that was birthed uh, Mission of Grace, and she made it her personal mission to care for these people in this village in particular uh, to make a difference in their lives. Fast forward a few months, the earthquake hit in January of 2010. Lots of people and awareness and resources starting to come to Haiti, Started coming to Haiti, and uh, one of those that came was a woman named Kim O'Dwyer, who came down from Canada, the northwestern area of Canada, and uh, she, through a series of events, of events, got connected with Miss Lynn, uh, Really bonded with her and the work happening here. And that was how you know, Mission of Grace really kind of stepped into what it's doing now. So it's been around for a little bit over seven years. Um, my family and I got connected with Mission of Grace about three years ago. Uh, my wife came down with a team from our church in Roseville uh, just for a one, one week trip and fell in love with the place and the people. And uh, her first words to me when she got home were, I want to move there. And that wasn't something I was really prepared for, but, uh, as we began to discuss it and pray about it, and we took a couple more short-term trips as a family and really felt this was something that God was leading us to be a part of. And so we moved our family down in January of 2016. Uh, so we're, you know, relatively new in, in this ministry, but, uh, uh, God's done an, an amazing thing in us and through us, and it, we're very privileged to be a part of it, um, my role here at Mission of Grace is um, multifaceted, as are most people, and really probably as are most ministries. But I am um, primarily involved in helping to coordinate teams that uh, the short term teams that come down from various parts of the US and Canada and, and even other parts of the world to come and minister here. And then uh, I have a background in technical things, and so I handle what technology there is here, which is pretty minimal in Haiti. Um, and it's kind of one of God's ironies, actually, that you know technology is my background, but He put me in a place that's probably one of the least technologically advanced areas in the world. <laughs> um, but but it's a joy, you know, really to be here, and um, my hope is to be able to help innovate and you know bring some of those technologies to to help further the growth of the ministry. And um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I know that may be a, a little bit long winded, but.
0: No, that's great. So how, about how many teams come down per year?
1: Uh, we, we average probably between t- 20 and 30. Um, last year, we, we set a record. Uh, I actually don't know the exact number. Um, we get more and more every year, but we average probably uh, a team every other week throughout the year. So I would say somewhere between 20 and 30.
0: And so most, all of these teams are, are churches that have come to you guys and said, Hey, we want to send a team down, or are you reaching out to churches back, back in the States? How does that work?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. So most of it has come through a uh, relationship, whether it's people that have been here and have gone home and, and shared the story of mission of grace with people in their church or people that they know, uh, that's then spurred other teams to come down, um, relationship with the the people that uh are here we have a team of 10 here currently that are serving a little bit longer term and then um through our website we actually get a fair amount of traffic through our website that uh that turns into teams and or individuals coming down
0: Oh, okay so so regarding the website traffic that's as technical coordinator however you want to phrase your role is, is that something that you've worked hard to, to establish and build up? Is that website or web presence?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, when I got here uh, a year ago, there wasn't much of a web presence. They did have a website. Um, it had minimal information on it and was not really easy to navigate. And so, um, over the past year, I've done my best to try to continue to develop and grow that and, um, make it a, an easy tool for people to connect to the mission, um, get information, express their interest in coming to visit, uh, as well as giving financially to help support the, the work we're doing here.
0: Okay, cool. And so mission of grace is, is it, uh, an orphanage? Is it multifaceted and, and bigger than just an orphanage? How does, how is it structured? Like
1: uh, yeah, it's very multifaceted, and one of the things that we uh, that I really appreciate about Mission of Grace and what drew us to be here is we do have multiple ministries that we you know, have people under our direct care, but uh, we are very focused on really transforming this entire community. Um, our founder Miss Lynn always says that you know while we do have the mission, uh, it's it's the city that is really our our goal. Um, she would like the whole village to be known as a city of grace, uh, not just have a mission of grace, but that the the village would be something that would be completely transformed uh, and set an example for the rest of Haiti. And so our our ministries that we do have within the mission include an orphanage and a school. It's, uh, it's free to the community, which is something that is not very common in Haiti. Uh, there really is no free public education at all. Most of the schools are either uh, run by other ministries and nonprofit organizations, or there are a few state schools, uh, but all students are required to pay tuition to attend. Um, and so our, our school is a little unique in that way where we get sponsors from people to allow the the students to go to school for free. Um, we have a, a free community medical clinic as well, and, um, an elderly home, elderly care home, which is also something very uncommon for Haiti. Uh, a lot of times the elderly are really just discarded by their families. Once they're no longer capable of contributing anything to the family, they become a drain. And so they will be, you know, uh, children, grown children will kick their parents out on the streets, force them to beg or just really kind of disown them from their lives. And so, um, again, Miss Lynn's heart is to, to really make a difference and set an example for others around. And so we, we have an elderly care home. That's really a, it's a pretty high-class facility for Haiti and um, something that we're, we're pretty proud to have and uh, be an, op- an option for those in our community that are, are older or disabled. We have some, some younger disabled people there as well. Uh, and then a church. Obviously, we have a, a church that's kind of the cornerstone of the community. Um, so those are the primary ministries that we have. But again, we're doing as much as we can to work uh, within the community in, in reaching people uh, to transform the the whole village.
0: Okay, cool. And is the, excuse me, is the elderly home free as well?
1: It is. Yeah. So that's something where, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have people beating down the doors to bring their family in, but if we come across someone in the community, uh, that, you know, isn't really capable of living on their own, or we found that they have been discarded, then we'll bring them in, Uh, to our care home. And it's completely free to them, uh, to the families. It's something that, you know, we, we bring these people in and give them food, give them care, give them shelter and uh, provide a place for them to, to really live out their, their last days in, in dignity.
0: So are the ministries all spread out throughout the city? Are they all in one facility? What does that look like?
1: Uh, they're spread all throughout the community. So, um, Again, one of the things that I think is relatively unique to Mission of Grace is we don't have just a single compound that, that all these ministries are in. Uh, they're in a relatively small radius, but they're spread throughout the village, and uh, it gives us an opportunity to always be interacting with the people of the village as we walk through uh, to the different ministry locations, and um, and they know that it's everything is really integrated into their village, and it's not something that, that creates separation.
0: And what's the population of the village that you guys work within?
1: It's between 7,500 and 8,000 people. We don't have an exact count, but it's somewhere in that range.
0: Okay, cool. I want to transition a little bit. What has been uh, some of the hardest lessons that you and your wife specifically have have had to deal with as you guys have stepped out in faith and moved out into this calling that the Lord has placed on your lives? I mean, the, uprooting your family from the States and um, bringing them down to Haiti, that's gotta be bring with it all kinds of difficulty. And, um, so what is that, what have been, what have been some of the hardest lessons you guys have learned
1: in that process? Uh, it's definitely been challenging, uh, for sure on a lot of different levels, I would say probably the hardest, uh, hardest things, the hardest elements is, uh, the difference in culture. Um, you know, obviously when, when you're going into a different culture, you want to learn as much as you can so as not to offend uh, or, or do things that would, would cause people to reject you, so to speak. But even beyond that, there's, there's a lot of things very unique to Haitian culture that isn't – it goes beyond really the, the, the customs and traditions and practices and things that you would think of when you think of culture. Um, but really the, the way of life and, and the mentality – that a lot of the people here have uh has been really really difficult. Um you know Haiti has a pretty um negative history, I guess you could say there's just been a lot of things over the years that uh have really reduced Haiti to a, a pretty I mean it's reduced it to third world. I don't think Haiti was necessarily always third world status, but it's been reduced through natural disasters, through um, problems with the political system through uh, really lack of, of government regulation in a lot of places. Uh, we think of a lot of times you know, people don't like government regulation, but having been down here for a while, I definitely see the value of it in some areas. Uh, like Haiti's been almost completely deforested, and uh, the trees are always all cut down to make charcoal, which is a primary cooking fuel here Mm -hmm. And, and uh and so that you know creates unstable soil which is what leads to mudslides and uh a variety of other things the the oceans have been fished almost to extinction it's really difficult to um you know to have any kind of a commercial fishing venture here um so things like that uh are well that's why i say haiti's really kind of probably been brought down to a third world level, and so it's created an overall survival mentality. I believe in in most of the people where everyone is really just looking to survive, and whatever it takes to to do that, they'll do. Um, and so that's I think that's probably been the hardest thing from a, an emotional standpoint because we want to learn to to love and trust these people, but it becomes very difficult to trust when when that trust is violated, um, you know, over little things or over big things kind of in the name of survival
0: right yeah that's i mean that's got to be difficult when uh, that's not something that we experience back here at home in the states there's yeah yeah like you talked about there's overregulation and we feel like that's a burden to us and we don't realize that that could be a a blessing uh, a lot more than it is a burden
1: yeah, in some regards, for sure. I mean, over-regulation, you know, just like anything, you can have too much. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Right. Um, but lack of a good thing is, you know, also not a good thing.
0: Yeah. So you guys, I mean, you have a lot of ministries under this mission of grace, um, but for a relatively young ministry, and you guys have only been around since 2009, That's that's some pretty incredible growth. So what what kind of uh what do you what would you say has spurred on some of that growth and what are you guys doing as far as like fundraising goes? How is it supported monetarily? Um has has Lynn just done an incredible job of of getting people behind what she's doing, or has it just been flat out the Lord's just provided and you don't necessarily know where it's coming from, but it's just is there and it the ministry's flourishing because he's just in it? I mean, what does that look like for you guys?
1: I would probably say all of the above. Um, yeah, you nailed it on a lot of those things. So Miss Lynn is very much a visionary, and uh, and and she's a very strong driving force. Um, she's known as as Mama Lynn to uh, a lot of people in the community, and uh, and so a lot of them do see her kind of as mom. She's very loving, um, but she's also very uh, stern is not necessarily the right word, but she you know she, loving is not necessarily always kind and, and coddling. Um, but she, she wants to see these people thrive and grow and, and live up to their potential. And so as, like a mother, uh, she very much operates in that, um, in that capacity through the village. But then those of us that have come to join alongside her, um, you know, her, her passion is pretty contagious. Like we, we see her vision of what she wants to do and, and wants to change lives and really raise up, uh, the next generation of leaders, as well, and so that that passion is very contagious, and we all want to to join in and be a part of that. Um, a lot of it is it is we see God in it uh, very much. You know, the the rapid growth I don't think can even really be explained any other way. Um, I've been a part of ministries that have grown very quickly, and it seems like God was in it, and God was blessing it, but then. You know, things can kind of start to unravel sometimes, and you realize, oh, well, maybe there was—it it wasn't so much God as it was the working of man behind the scenes. But um, you know, a lot of of what we see can really only be explained as you know, God is in this, and He's for this, and He's for these people. Um, as far as specific fundraising things, you know, a lot of it is—it's based on relationship. Uh, again, people that we know, or people that have come and see. Uh, The difference that Mission of Grace is making in this community, Uh, even over the few years that we've been coming, there's a significant difference between three years ago and now of the overall well-being of the community. You can see the, um, you know, the people are are happier. There's there's more um, being. A very practical example is the homes that people live in. Four years ago, most of this community was living in just shacks made of trash or, or mud and rock uh, and sticks and whatever they can find. And now there's there's a pretty large number of homes that are built out of cinder block, which is the primary building material here. And it's pretty expensive to, to build out of cinder block, but um, by what Mission of Grace has done in this community and and some of the building projects that we've done that have employed uh, local masons and local laborers uh, and the money that has come to build up the facilities of Mission of Grace has uh, had a trickle-down effect that is helping to raise the overall standard in the village. And um, I don't know that that was necessarily intentional, but it's definitely something where we're seeing that impact um, out of just just being here, the mission, just being here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, individual fundraising things. We do, we have building projects that we will, um, put out on our website. We'll put out through Facebook and social media to let people know, uh, you know, these are projects that we're working on. We would love for you to either give towards it, um, come and be part of a team that helps, you know, build a portion of this, come and bring, uh, materials or things for decorating and, and helping, uh, make this thing a reality, and so um, there are a few specific churches and ministries that contribute more than others. But overall, uh, it's really just a joint effort of anybody that's ever been connected with Mission of Grace in some way, shape, or form. Just uh, continues to to give and pour into it by either giving financially, by continuing to come and and visit and and give physically. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty remarkable thing.
0: And so have you guys seen um, a lot of the growth has just happened in the last couple of years as as Lynn has brought on people to help, like brought on people to take, essentially take her, her place, like h- kind of essentially hiding her, hiring herself out of a job. Is Has a lot of the growth come out of that? Or I mean, was it just exploding right from the time she said yes to this call and um, it's just all these things have grown out of it from the beginning.
1: I think more so it's all grown out of it from the beginning. Um, she, again, while Miss Lynn is very much a visionary, she's not a, I'm going to push and make it happen on my own. Um, she's very, very conscious of God's timing. And uh, one of the things, so the, the theme verse for Mission of Grace is uh, from Matthew I should know the reference. I think it's Matthew twenty six nineteen. but with God, all things are possible. Um, and so that, that's really kind of her life mantra that, you know, I'm not going to say no to anything because I know God can do it. And so, um, you know, obviously there's wisdom and it's not just forcing things to happen, but as, as we wait on his timing, if he's given the vision, then he will make it happen. And, um, And so she does view that really nothing is impossible. Um, And so whatever vision he gives her, she very much believes is going to come to pass. And uh, it's very easy to kind of fall in line with that. And that level of faith as well is one of those things that that is contagious and and can be passed on. And and we've seen it. So not just is it a, a great saying and a great mantra, but we have seen situations where it seemed like it was impossible. Uh, yet God has provided and and made it happen.
0: Yeah. Well, that's super convicting. I mean, it's it's really easy to get caught up in ministry and in pushing and doing things and and all for the Lord and this call that he's placed on my life, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. I think that that is a a temptation for all ministry executives to to say yes to the call and then push really hard to do, hey, this is what the Lord's asked me to do, um rather than just being open and available to what he has and allowing things to happen in his time. And, and, uh, you know, not, not trying to push and do our own thing, but allow the Lord to work in and through us. That's, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the only thing I was going to say, I wanted to add on to that is one of the things that, that helps keep that focus. And, uh, you know, I know most, if not all ministries start out this way and it's easy to lose it. But but keeping the focus on the people, that it's really about the people, and and we're not here to build anything for ourselves. Uh, we're not here to make a name for ourselves. And it's a lot easier to do that in Haiti. Like again, I believe most ministries start out, you know, wanting to to truly help people. Um, but there's in the United States and other places like it, the the fame aspect of it, or um, growing a ministry to to have some you know, large significance or impact, uh, there's a lot, kind of a competitive competitiveness in that, but in Haiti that's just not here. I mean, it's, it's about the people because you're not going to get recognition for, for what you're doing here. Um, you might get a lot of opposition, but, um, but really it's, it's a lot easier to focus and just say, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the people because really that's all there is. And, uh, So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you guys experienced any persecution or or pushback from the government or anything like that?
1: We haven't personally because, uh, I know, you know, where we are is relatively sheltered. It's a, it's a small village. I know, you know, 7,500 to 8,000 may seem kind of large by some standards, but, uh, it's, it's small and kind of an unknown area. So we haven't, uh, Experienced really any persecution and and there's a lot of a lot of dangers in different parts of Haiti as well, but we're pretty sheltered from that, which is uh, you know something we feel fortunate about, but also I think part of the reason why God led us here. Um, so in that sense, no, I mean we've definitely had resistance from people in the community. Uh, there are those that are very opposed to white people being here uh, or any foreigners coming. They kind of you know want to stay independent and. Um, you know, stand in their pride, but up up to this point, we haven't really experienced a significant amount of persecution or even resistance.
0: That's nice.
1: Yeah, it's very nice.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's not like that's not the case for a lot of ministries and working in third world countries. So yeah, that's really true. Cool. What a blessing. Yeah. Um. So back to back to the website and Facebook and social media and how you guys are getting your message out to. Uh, your audience is—that's obviously something that is under your role within mm-hmm. the industry. So, <clears throat> what have what have you guys done around that to kind of tell your story and get your message out to an audience uh, that may not have ever heard of you? I mean, you you talked about people just coming and then going back and sharing on your behalf. So you've got this. I mean, if you if we want to use Commercial business terms like this brand advocacy, people see what you're doing, they see the work that's happening and that God is in this, and they go home and they tell their friends and family and their churches. Um, and what, so what are you guys doing to supplement that and, and help tell your story and, uh, and get out to a, a, a broader audience? Uh,
1: so, I mean, the main things would be uh, social media in in terms of we're trying to stay consistent with posting uh, pictures and and stories of things that are taking place in the mission on a daily basis. Um, My wife is actually the one that does a majority of the social media because that's much more her strong suit. I'm very technical. And uh, I don't remember to pull my phone out and take pictures very often. <laughs> um, so we we actually make a pretty great team in that regard. She'll take the pictures and I make sure they get where they need to go. Um, but uh, yeah, so through social media and um, just allowing... Again, I, I think it's mostly relational is is the only way that I can explain it. Um, people that share posts and and things that we do online... Um, and then word of mouth through different places. Uh a lot of times it's really the stories that we share that, that have the greatest impact. Um and, and the two things that I've noticed in terms of of gaining attention or raising funds or what people will respond to, uh it is relationship. And so, you know, for us personally, people that have supported us are people that we know. Um you know, I've reached out to different churches at different times to to try and gain support, and I've gotten some response, but it's our family and friends that are, are contributing the most to keeping us here uh, based on the relationships that we have. And I've seen that's kind of how the mission gets funded as well. Like we talked about before, the people come and go back and share, and, and more people come as a result of that, or more people give. Um, but stories stories have a big impact as well, and people will give a lot of times as an emotional response which can sometimes be good and sometimes be bad. Uh, you don't want to use that in a manipulative way, which it becomes very easy to do. But um, but when somebody is touched by a story, uh, one of their natural responses is to want to give uh, or respond in a way that that can help um, make a difference in that story, particularly if it's a, a negative or a painful one, which we do experience. Um, and so it, it's for me, it's kind of a fine balance of of wanting to share the stories, but not wanting to manipulate people into giving, uh, especially when you're talking biblically, when God says that he, he blesses a cheerful giver, that's not necessarily an emotional giver, but, uh, but somebody who is wanting to give with joy and, and so into a a ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's kind of a roundabout answer, maybe not even fully answering the question, but no, that's uh, good. uh,
0: yeah. Was was any of that stuff in place with with Lynn before you and your wife arrived, or has that all come about since you guys have been working with the ministry?
1: Uh, the stuff that was in place, so primarily Miss um, Kim, who is uh, the she's the lady who came from Canada, and she's kind of the well, Miss Lynn is the founder and director. Miss Kim is the one that really kind of runs the operations of everything, and uh, she usually once or twice a year go and speak at different churches in uh, different places, both in the U S and in Canada. And a majority of the fundraising came through those uh, ventures as, you know, it's relationship churches that have come here or churches that she's had relationship uh, with in the past or f- through family and things like that. Um, since we've been here and I've started doing more through the website uh, and sharing more of the things, uh, a good majority of of the finances have come through that. Um, so there is has been a little bit of a shift, or a pretty significant shift, actually, in in where the the funding is coming from. And so, not that it's anything of me, but I think implementing the technologies and different things out there, uh, and giving uh, people a, a, an easier avenue to give, uh, along with the stories and things, has definitely contributed to our ability to raise funds and, and continue uh, moving things along.
0: Well, I'm sure that opens up opportunity for Kim to, to be more present in country on the ground, especially with, with her being the person that runs the operations rather than traveling back and forth to the States and Canada to always be speaking at churches. She can actually, you know, be on the ground working and, and running the ministry on the ground.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've actually, we have seen that shift where, uh, last year in 2016, she actually, I think only spoke at maybe two or three churches, um, on one, one short trip that she took back to Canada, uh, where in the past, if that were the case, um, the mission would have been hurting pretty badly financially. Um, but she had the freedom to be able to, to limit that because of of some of the avenue, uh, sorry just a second did did you lose me there
0: no i still got you
1: okay sorry i had a phone call came in that interrupted No um i apologize so uh so yeah she had the freedom to not necessarily have to to go and do that and the mission was still able to to function and um and and even grow a little bit through the uh, the online giving
0: yeah it's it's cool to see that you guys are using the technology we have available uh not only to to fundraise and get your message and story out to your audience, but, um, just to, you know, communicate from across the world that that's, that's really cool to see that that is being effective for you guys.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, when I look back over my life personally, and I see the, you know, I said earlier that my background is in technology and to be in such a low technology area. Um, I also see that God has put kind of a, a spirit of innovation in me as well. And and I desire to find and discover and implement those things that will kind of help uh, propel us forward from a technology standpoint that, you know, trickles into everything else that we do. So uh, I see the preparation that God has done in my life, you know, leading to this time in the season. And we don't know exactly how long the season will be, but as long as we're here, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for that, for the the preparation that he's given me. And, and I'm excited to see the fruit of that. Again, nothing to do with me, but, uh, just how I can see how he's put gifts in me that are, are being utilized to change lives.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think we have time for one more question. Um, but I want to continue to dive into this. Um, the, uh, just how the, the ministry is, is, structured and and how funds work. So as you guys bring in funds, are, are you asking people to donate to specific parts of the ministry, like the orphanage or the school or the medical clinic, or is are funds just coming in and you guys are the ones that are kind of directing where those funds go? What does
1: that look like? Uh, I mean, a little bit of both, just like any church really or ministry, we do have a general fund um, that people, if they just want to give in overall support of the ministry. Uh, that's the channel to do it in. Um, our two primary methods of uh, residual giving, I guess you could say, or we do have sponsorships. Uh, we have a sponsorship for our orphanage, and that's $50 a month. We'll sponsor uh, one of our – the children in our orphanage helps you know, pay for obviously everything, their food, their housing, their clothing, medicine, school, um, those types of things. And so that's $50 a month. We have about 70 children in orphanage right now, ranging from about nine months up to, uh, we have a teen girls home actually that has some, uh, has girls up to age 19 in it. Um, and then we have our school sponsorship, which is the, the community school that I mentioned earlier. The education is free to the community, but the way that we're able to provide that is by people sponsoring a student to attend school And that sponsorship is $200 for a year of schooling that provides uh, all of their books, pays for the teacher salaries, um, their uniforms, and two meals a day. So one of the things that we encountered when we first started the school is a lot of the kids were were hungry. And so we implemented giving them lunch every day, which was great. But then we found that that may have been the only meal that they ate. That day, and they were coming to school hungry, and it made it difficult for them to focus and and learn. And so uh, we started doing breakfast as well. Breakfast is a little more simple, uh, fruit and bread, and and you know something just to kind of get them jump started on the day. And then we feed all the students lunch as well. So two hundred dollars a year will pay for a student to go to school in our school.
0: Very cool. And so with all those programs. Um, I think it's important to to ask how how are you guys working then discipleship into those programs? So that's the that's the actual work you're doing, the hands of Jesus. But how, what does what does discipleship look like within those programs for you guys?
1: Um, it's a few. It, it takes on a few different forms um, in the school because we are uh, a Christian ministry. Obviously, we do implement Bible teaching in the schools, and so. Uh, or in the classes. So the students who have Bible as a part of their curriculum. Um, In the orphanage, most of our, or all of our our children that are school age go to our school. So they're getting that there as well as the the reinforcement of Bible teaching there. And we are uh, in the process of developing some specific programs for providing uh, discipleship at the different ages right now. Um, And you can call it discipleship, I guess, but it's more so and just mentoring and continuing to um, instruct them in in morality and teaching principles of the Bible through a variety of different ways. Um, we have a, a Bible study that is open to the community, a men's Bible study on Monday nights and women's Bible study on Tuesday nights that uh, has kind of evolved into a, a discipleship time as well as we get, you know, many of the same people that return and, and just make it kind of a, a question and answer time and uh, sharing, you know, the truths of who Jesus is and then allowing them to express the, the things that they're, they're questioning or wondering or unsure of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we have structured things as well as unstructured things. You know, again, I go back to relationship, um, the people that we meet and, and encounter on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's how we're affecting and impacting their lives and, and really showing them, Jesus through through actions as well as through words.
0: That's really cool. Well, I, I'm sure that the the people in the community are seeing the work that that Mission of Grace is doing and the the fact that it's flourishing. And so they I'm sure have questions and so coming to this Bible study probably opens up all kinds of opportunities to share the gospel because they see that you guys are there to love and to serve. Um, and then that's going to spark questions. And so that's really cool that you guys have opened that up to the community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great thing of, you know, cause we see people there that we don't necessarily interact with every day. Um, whether they're, you know, have a job and are working or they're in a different part of the village. Um, but having them, you know, come together and, and build relationship and, and have, they bring great questions, which is, has been really fun and, and cool to be able to help, um, guide them in their walk and, and their pursuit of, of truth, their pursuit of Christ and the pursuit of living a Christian life.
0: That's cool. Well, Toss, this is about all the time we have. Uh, I super appreciate you being on the show and just answer answering some of our questions. Um, if, if people well, before I finish, can I pray for mission of grace and, and absolutely your family? Yeah, thank you. Father, I just lift up Toss and his wife, Sheena. I pray that you would uh, continue to go before them um, as they serve with Mission of Grace in Haiti. And I just pray that um, you would continue to do um, big and amazing things through this ministry that... Um, your name would be glorified and your name would be known and that people would come to knowledge and saving grace and um, relationship with you, Father. We just lift Mission of Grace and Toss and his family up to you. We lay them at your feet and, and just trust that you will protect them and and provide for them and continue to do great and amazing things because you are God and you are in control and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Toss. If people want to learn more about Mission of Grace, uh, or want to support you guys, or just have general questions, how can get how can they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, website obviously is going to be the the easiest way. It's missionofgracehaiti.org, and uh, through that, again, it gives some background and insight on the mission. Where there's a, a contact page there as well, opportunities to fill out if you're interested in coming and bringing a team of people or coming in as an individual or uh, coming to serve for a longer period of time, ways to give financially, obviously, and, uh, and then connections to our social media. But the direct links to our social media would be on Facebook, uh, backslash Mission of Grace Haiti. And then on Instagram, we are backslash Mission of Grace. Perfect. Uh, one other thing that I uh, forgot to mention, I meant to mention it earlier, is uh, we do have a book that uh, is kind of Miss Lynn's biography of the founding of the mission it's called all things possible and it is available on amazon oh cool so the yeah the title is all things possible and the it's written by her name is uh, lynette actually l-i-o-n-e-t-t lynette joseph j-o-s-e-p-h
0: i'll be sure to um put a link to that in the in the show notes
1: okay perfect
0: and who's the author did you say
1: Uh, Lynette Joseph. So that is Miss Lynn, but that's her, her given name is Lynette.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Toss. I appreciate your time and uh, we wish you guys the best. We'll be praying for you.
1: All right. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it as well.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story,
1: we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.